real quick, Scott's bummed about the humidor. And pick your milk for breakfast cereal, Mount Rushmore. Navigate through rounds one and two. That's what we're going to help you with on today's episode of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. You can just use the rankings in the draft room, I guess. But what fun is that? We're going to talk about it, the differences in the uh, top 24 for Scott and Heath, and we'll do points and roto slash categories. Welcome, everybody. It's Fantasy Baseball Today. Get in our bracket challenge. I'll talk to you about that a little bit later. We've got risers and fallers. We've got buy or sell. We've got your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Most importantly, we have Scott White. Hello, Scott. Hey, Adam. There he is. We've got Chris Towers. Give me some energy, Chris. Hey, Adam. What's up? Whoa. I like it. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and we've got uh, playoff beard Heath Cummings. It's been a... I've been in the playoffs for quite some time, and I'm looking forward to being in the playoffs again. I'm currently in the playoffs in my fantasy basketball league going up against Jamie Eisenberg. Oh, what round? It is the semifinals. Big. Yeah, I lost in the first round. Big. Yeah, you you were kind of a fraudulent playoff team anyway. Uh, I believe I was ranked higher than you. you since nobody is going to hear this, uh, which do you like better, fantasy basketball or fantasy football? Uh, fantasy football for sure. Agree. Really? Okay. I don't play fantasy basketball. Oh, fantasy basketball... The season's is, just too long. I feel like fantasy basketball is the easiest because players just kind of, you know, as as long as their their role isn't changing, they just kind of do the same thing every night. There's not that variability that you see in the other fantasy sports. Huh. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll yeah. play next year. It's a little too late now. So uh, let's start with this big news item. Josh Donaldson is dealing with a calf issue. Three years in a row now, a calf issue for Josh Donaldson. It might not be that serious. He's going 29th overall. Uh, right in between George Springer and Noah Syndergaard. So it's like Cody Bellinger, Steven Strasburg, Springer, Donaldson, Syndergaard, Seeger, D. Gordon. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you nervous about this with Josh Donaldson? I think you have to be the way last season started for him with a similar issue. He, uh, he wasn't right at the plate, ended up missing an extended period of time. And a lot of us were writing him off because of it. Then he came back, had a monster second half, looked like an MVP caliber player again. And so we're pretty much right back on board with him this uh, this spring. I guess downgraded a little because of age, but still obviously early third rounder. It's it's a little concerning, sure. Is it concerning enough to take him later or still early third round? I mean, my when I first made out my rankings, I had Rendon ahead of him. And I since thought better of it. Uh, but the reason I had Rendon ahead of him is because I thought uh, age and injuries might be starting to become an issue for Donaldson. And so maybe I need to revisit that because, it, it, look, it's happening again. Okay. Any other final thoughts there? I'd kind of baked this in just a little bit. I had him in the third to fourth round range more than the early third. I may drop him down to like fourth, fifth. Okay. Which means just not getting him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's a little far because the hitters you're drafting in the fourth or fifth aren't going to be like Josh Donaldson could still be a first round caliber hitter this year, you know? Yeah, he could be. I mean, he it's was possible. he he was for the last what three months of the season. Yeah. Um, it's just we've seen how this can affect him. 
And right, it's worth saying the team doesn't think it's serious right now. Now right. the team never thinks it's serious until right. it, it is. wasn't serious but last year, was it? It's right. being yeah. called it's being called a calf cramp due to dehydration. That does not sound oh. serious. Well, wait a second. Uh, but he hasn't played since Saturday. That sounds more serious. That doesn't yeah. sound like a cramp. And well. he's not expected to play until at least Friday. Okay. You usually right. don't miss six days for a calf cramp. Due to dehydration. No, you don't. Suck on but a mustard it, but packet, it is also eat a spring, banana. It is also <laughs> spring training, and he's a veteran hitter. Like he doesn't need to play that much. All right, just something to be aware of. You know, if it were like a knee or something, it'd be one thing, but it's a calf, and that's three seasons in a row. Uh, all right, let's do some rankings. Not that a knee would be good, but calf. You know, for him, calf is worse. Okay, rankings, risers, and fallers, real quick. Here, we will also talk about prospects today. The ones you need to know about. The ones you need to draft. Um, Scott, give me a one or two rankings risers for you over any period of time. Over any period of time, Garrett Richards is one. Been really impressed with what he's done this spring. And, and it was a continuation of what he did last September, actually, after returning from, uh, the arm issues. Just overpowering stuff. A lot of strikeouts. Much more efficient than I remember him being before the injury. And per- perhaps because he realizes um, he, he needs to be to get any kind of, for the, for the Angels to let him pitch deep enough into games to really make an impact. And I think the fact that the, they're going with the six man rotation is actually going to help him. Now it's going to limit his number of two star weeks, but I think the upside is high enough that he could emerge as somebody we're starting every week, even yeah, if it's Richards. just one start at a time. So he's somebody who's now in my top 43. Five starting pitchers, I want to say. I'm going to double check that, but definitely moved him up from like the late round range to more of the middle round range. He's 52nd. Okay. Um, Garrett Richards is actually the 43rd pitcher off the board. He's going in between Danny Duffy and, uh, Chase Anderson. But if you hit control F again, if you hit enter again, you'll get to Amir Garrett and he's going much later than that, but that doesn't matter. Garrett Richards, 170th <laughs> overall. Hey, Amir Garrett looks like he's going to get a rotation spot. Does he? Anthony Discofani keeps falling apart. Yeah, they have a lot of options there. He had a really good appearance. It was, it was technically a relief appearance early this spring, but I don't think it's gone well since then. All right, then. So so Garrett Richards is a riser for Scott. And Heath, you've got a couple of risers that you can give us. I do have two risers. One, we've had some requests for a little more uh, deep league stuff. So this is a little deeper league because I wouldn't take him necessarily – in the first 23 rounds, more of a reserve round guy, but Nate Jones. There was actually an article um, talking about how the, Jones may be the favorite to be the closer. Joaquin Soria had a just brutal first appearance. He's calmed down a little bit since then, but there's been a lot of praise of Jones in camp. We've seen Soria be not very good over the last couple of years. I, we've been excited about Jones before. He has good <laughs> stuff. So I think we need to move him up more into the range of guys that could be closers relatively early in the year, maybe as early as opening day. Okay. Like that A.J. Minter, Keone, Keone Kella. Yeah, yeah, I would put him ahead of those guys, really? but um, not a lot. Well, you know, it is the White Sox. That's obviously part of the consideration. They're not going to be very good, but Nate Jones could be the White Sox closer, so know that. Uh, who else is a riser for you, Heath? It's Michael Conforto. I had dropped him quite a bit at the beginning of spring just because he was not very close to playing baseball. Well, now he's very close to playing baseball. In fact, maybe just a little bit ahead of schedule. He's talking about playing in a spring training game next week. 
Uh, it's DH only, right? Right, yeah. right, but right on schedule, if not slightly ahead. So I think Conforto gets a little bit of bump just because the upside, if the Mets were to let him play every day and he were to stay healthy, the upside, the top 20 outfielder. All right, Michael Conforto, where is he in your rankings now? Is he like uh, number four, number five? Number four or number five? It like on draft day, top outfielder. I mean. A number four or number five outfielder. Number five. It was outfielder. obvious what he meant. Use context clues. Wait, like what, what? What could I possibly have meant other than that? He was being a jerk. I don't get it. I was not being a jerk. I didn't know what he meant. Uh, you are being a jerk right now. <laughs> but that's not a surprise. It seemed a little jerkish. Welcome but, back to I the mean, podcast. Chris. He just cultivated this reputation. This is what he wants ultimately. He's a controversial guy. All right, so the risers are Garrett Richards for Scott, Nate Jones, Michael Conforto for Heath. And uh, the thing about Conforto, right, Heath, is it's not just that we don't know exactly when he's going to play, but we don't know how good he's going to be after a serious shoulder injury. I feel pretty confident that, well, yes, after the shoulder injury, we don't know for sure that he gets back to his old self. But I I feel very confident that he's going to be good against right-handed pitchers. But if he's only good against right-handed pitchers, then it, it... May not matter. Okay. Now the fallers. Uh, Heath, give me a couple fallers. Uh, Ian Desmond. I really don't like the position that he's in, especially after the cargo signing. He has not had a good spring at all. And his first, the first five games the Rockies played, he played twice at first base and none in the outfield. Maybe that's just because they're saving his legs because he's a veteran. But they seem enamored with Ryan McMahon. They've re-signed Carlos Gonzalez. I still think, Desmond, they're going to start the year with him being a big part of the lineup, but his leash is extremely short. Okay, I just want to go through the Rockies and all the moving parts because sometimes I get a little confused. So sure. who who are it. the guys that could be less than full-time player? Like, like, you tell me how you break it down, between first base and outfield. The only Rocky first baseman slash outfielder who I feel confident is going to play every day is Charlie Blackman. Because I know Because then apart from him, they have... They have four everyday players in their lot. Blackman, Arenado, Arenado Story. LeMahieu and Story. Yeah. Um, yeah, so apart from Blackman in that outfield first base picture, you have Gerardo Parra, who can play either one. You have Ian Desmond, who can play either one. You have Ryan McMahon, who would have to play first base. You have David Dahl, who would have to play the outfield. Uh, you have... Uh, Raimel Tapia. Raimel Tapia, who's probably going to begin the year in the minors. But, you know, Dahl's probably going to begin the year in the minors, too. Uh, they'll, they'll both factor at some point. Am I forgetting somebody Did who's... you say Carlos Gonzalez? Yeah, Carlos Gonzalez now, obviously, is is there. And I would guess... I would guess he's... If we're if we're handicapping at bats, I would I would guess... You know, he's, he's more likely to get at bats than most of those guys. Mike Talkman. <laughs> yeah, he's there too. Yeah, there's him. <laughs> he's uh, prob- probably just a bench roll. Alright. Yeah. Okay, so, so Heath Desmond is a guy that, <sighs> sum it up real quick in one sentence. He's a number five outfielder now with number three upside, upside. Okay. And Marcus Stroman is a faller for you. He will not be ready for opening day, but he might be ready not long after that. He could be ready not long after that. He sounds more optimistic. The team's a little bit iffy, and there's really no reason to push Marcus Stroman back from this quickly. That I don't expect the Jays are going to be competing with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I think he's either a big part of their future or a very important trade ship for the rebuild. So from a fantasy perspective, 
there's not an enormous amount of upside with Marcus Stroman, and this just adds more downside. I I find like I feel like this Stroman thing. It sounds to me like one of those things we worry a lot about in spring training, and then come May first, we never pay it a second thought. Uh, because there is a good chance he still takes his first turn. If it's not his first turn, he takes his second turn. You know, right, and like he's basically Marcus Stroman from that point forward. That's yeah. the thing is that when they say he's he's been ruled out for opening day, he could pitch in the opening series. And yeah. and it's basically like Jacob Degrom. We're not really worried about him. Jacob Degrom is going to pitch the second game of the season. It's just happening yeah. a little bit later. Now it is an arm injury, and it it is time in spring training that he's not throwing, so that's not great. It's but, not nothing, but I, I feel like a disproportionate amount is being made of this particular injury, and it's taken me to a point where I'm, I, I find myself drafting Stroman at a good value. And he's a player that I feel like I only want if it's a, at a good value because he's not, you know, the standout bat misser, but he is a great innings eater. He's going and, 130th overall right Yeah. Now. That's, yeah, well, uh, that seems like great value to me. Especially in a points league. You guys can disagree if you want, but I've said it before. Uh, I'm going to repeat a lot of things that we've already said because, you know, uh, it's time to really drill things into people's heads, I guess. But Stroman, to me, seems like a pitcher that has maybe the most value difference in points in Roto, or among the most. He's much yeah, better in points. Yeah. yeah, but he's still good in Roto. Yeah. Like, he's, he's not going to hurt you. He's... Very similar. The numbers over the last two years are extremely similar to Dallas Keuchel. Marcus Stroman's thrown 200 innings each of the last two seasons. Well, one he's pretty good. The innings eating aspect obviously has a direct impact in points leagues because innings are worth three points apiece. Yeah. But I wrote an article earlier this week uh, talking about innings being the new market inefficiency at starting pitcher. And one point I brought up in that is that you know, we, we assess pitchers' strikeout potential by their K per nine or their strikeout percentage usually, but they need innings for those strikeouts to come to fruition. And Marcus Stroman, just one example, Marcus Stroman had more strikeouts than James Paxton last year. Um, and, you know, James Paxton is a guy who missed time with injury, so, you know, maybe maybe he isn't as good as good of an example as somebody who we like the strikeout potential, but they're only going to pitch five innings at a time, like a, like a Lance McCullers type. I I think McCullers did actually get more strikeouts than Stroman, but it was very that's, close. That's the thing. If like, I don't think he probably had more strikeouts than James Paxton and a replacement level starting pitcher. Right, but I, that's hurt. why I was using a different example. So he's really probably a one category contributor. Yeah. No. My my point All is right. though, like you, we don't think of Marcus Stroman as a big strikeout pitcher, but if you if he's in your lineup, um relative to a lot of these guys who aren't going to give provide length. He's probably not actually hurting you that much in the strikeout category. All right, and then finally, I uh, just want to say, Stroman, I mean, based on the last two years, could have a 1.3 whip. So that's, you know, that that is not a great thing yeah, for him. that's not good. That's probably the worst, the worst aspect of Stroman. So, Scott, I want to know about some prospects. Who to draft and who to have on our radar uh, who's coming up mid-season? Who's coming up early in the season? I don't think we need to talk about Ronald Acuna. He's uh, always a headliner on the show. So, mm-hmm. you know, other than him, who are some prospects that you think people need to know about on draft day? Well, ones who are actually going to make the major league roster out of spring training, it's it's a it's a limited it's a limited selection. You have uh, J.P. Crawford. Of the Phillies, who will be gaining shortstop eligibility because that's the position he'll be playing. You have 
Ryan McMahon potentially being the first baseman for Colorado. And he had like 350 between two minor league stops last year. So if he plays enough, that would be exciting. Lewis Brinson of the Marlins, uh, who was terrible in limited exposure with the Brewers last year, but a power speed guy who was, you know, thought to have a really high ceiling. He's somebody who's getting drafted into five outfielder leagues. Uh, those are probably the biggest name immediate contributors or let's potential re- immediate contributors. Let's repeat them for the audience. Other than Acuna, you said who? I said J.P. Crawford of the Phillies, Ryan McMahon of the Rockies, and Lewis Brinson of the Marlins. Okay. Uh, but then there's obviously other prospects who need to be on your radar um, for contributing probably sooner than later. Austin Hayes is one we talked about yesterday. The Orioles don't really have a great option in right field apart from him. Got off, had a bad spring because he was battling an injury, but I, I still expect to see him sooner than later. Uh, Nick Senzel has gotten playing time all around the Reds infield this spring. Uh, third baseman by trade and kind of like a, I feel like he has kind of a Scott Rowland profile where he could be a big time fantasy contributor. Somebody I'm drafting in deeper mixed leagues just to stash away. Victor Robles of the Nationals, I think is a, going to take over for Michael Taylor, who I don't think any of us believe in Michael Taylor, right? Had a good power speed season last year, but I think doesn't make enough contact. is a really good buy in the late rounds on draft day because he's, he's a guy who could steal 40 bases. Yep. Um, uh, Francisco Mejia. Who? Francisco Mejia. Yeah, Francisco Mejia. Like they're trying to, they're trying, he's a catcher, but they're trying him at other positions to get him up sooner, which tells you he's probably going to be up pretty soon. They tried third base at first, but now they're trying the outfield. He was sent down yesterday, right? Uh, possibly. He's still, he's still the long-term plan at catcher, but they like their catching options that they currently have. Uh, he's eligible at catcher, so that's the main thing that matters. Scott Kingery of the Phillies, he's another guy who's been playing all over in an effort to, uh, you know, create more opportunities for him to break in. Um, blocked at second base by Cesar Hernandez, obviously, but 2020 guy in the minors last year. Okay. Luis Urias. I was reading an article yesterday, I think in the uh, San Diego Union Tribune, that he could be up uh, by the end of April or May. So mm-hmm. keep an eye on him. Shortstop prospect who runs a lot, not particularly well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 33 stolen bases, 37 caught stealings in his minor league. Career. He's he's a really good contact hitter and a really uh, like good plate discipline guy. So yeah, it's hard to see how exactly that's going to translate in fantasy, but I if nothing else, I suspect him to hit for a high average. Um, some pitchers, Michael Kopech's probably the most exciting right now. Throws really hard, big strikeout potential. Not sure exactly when the rebuilding White Sox are going to want to break him in, but he he should be ready sooner than later. Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals has had a really good spring. Cardinals have a lot of potential pitfalls in their rotation, so I could see him coming up soon. A.J. Puck has gotten a lot of attention in A's camp to the point that I think he's technically in a battle for the starting five, but I would suspect that's a long shot. Their manager said he's been their best pitcher. Just... Flat out in the yeah. spring training. First round pick a couple years ago. Huge caper nine in the minors last year, but kind of a high ERA too. Uh, Did you mention Mackenzie Gore? Do you need to? Oh, he's eighteen or nineteen. He's okay. he's not going to contribute this year. Mitch Keller, Walker mm-hmm. Bueller. 
Walker Bueller, yeah, there's a good chance. It's just with his case, he pitches for the Dodgers. Um, and obviously they have a lot of, they have some rotation excess there already. Might be, make it a little harder for him to break in. And, um, for but Luis Gohara, who, because of injuries this spring, isn't going to break the, make the Braves starting five. He's, he's somebody who I still expect to see as soon as like May. And did you say Forrest Whitley? Well, 50 game suspension for him. Yeah. Because of, uh, positive, uh, a 50 game drug suspension, but not for PEDs. Right. Um, so yeah, Astros pitching prospects. So I wouldn't expect to see him till after the all-star break. Sure. Okay. And then Glaber Torres was sent down. Willie Calhoun was sent down. Yep. Yep. Those are, yeah, there's, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of names who I think are very close to breaking in. Those I probably should have mentioned. I, I could mention Willie Adamez for the Rays, who's their shortstop of the future and has already gotten plenty of time at AAA. Like, yeah, what, what is the deal with, uh, Franklin Barreto? Is he still a thing? Cause Marcus Simeon is not a bad late round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Barreto, his prospect stock has fallen a bit because he wasn't as good in the upper minors as he was in the lower minors, and he doesn't have very good plate discipline. But there are still plenty, plenty of prospect evaluators who, uh, to, who are really fond of him, and he's had a very good spring. I would guess it's more likely than not either Jed Lowry or or Marcus Simeon suffers an extended injury at some point, and, and Barreto Gets a chance to prove himself. Barreto doesn't get leapfrogged by Mateo. Uh, well, Jorge Mateo. I guess it's possible. I think you have them back to back in your top 100, right? Yeah, Jorge Mateo actually homered twice in spring yesterday. Yeah, but it was his first two homers of the spring. He's he's no more as a speed guy, big time base stealer. Um, All yeah, right. it's possible he could beat Barreto up. I think, we, uh, I think we, uh, I think we've given up. I hope he names. doesn't beat him up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's, 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 that, that would probably slow his ascent. Let's not encourage that, Scott. Uh, very violent Scott White today. Uh, alright, so that's good stuff. Rewind the podcast, listen to all those names again. There are a lot of them. But the four that Scott mentioned, other than Acuna, JP Crawford, Ryan McMahon, Lewis Brinson, Lewis Brinson, actually it was Acuna plus those three. Crawford, McMahon, and Brinson. And then you got Austin Hayes, Nick Stenzel, Victor Robles, and then and one of the ones of I'm others. drafting highest I didn't even mention, Jesse Winker. He's part of that four-man outfield rotation for the Reds. Is he a prospect still? He's still rookie eligible. Yeah, he was at, 33 in my preseason top 100. So hey, you want to check that out? That's probably where you're going to find the most names. Yeah, Scott, Scott White's top 100 prospects. You'll find 100. It was names. first published in January, so it may have gotten pushed down a Let's little. Let's say every name in there. No, um, every the, single name. It's on the on the fantasy baseball homepage. There you the, go. Uh, in the headline stack on the right at the top. So yeah. Just look at look at there. Top 100 prospects. And uh, I give you like a t- Scott's 2018 fantasy impact rating, so you know which guys are far off and which are going to help this year. It. Well, I don't. We didn't say Ahmed Rosario, did we? He, he's he's technically not. Oh, he's not a prospect eligible anymore. But home run yesterday. he is a young guy with a lot of upside who I like drafting late especially in roto leagues cuz I think he's an undervalued steal source. And that is the Mets shortstop Ahmed Rosario. All righty then. Uh announcements for you. The bracket challenge. If you want to be in, you can email us at fantasybaseball@cbsi.com or you can just follow us on Twitter. We've been tweeting about it. If you're leading after the Elite Eight, you're in the podcast league. So we have over 700 people now. We had over 1,400 people last year. I want to get back up to that number. So everybody, you've got one day. Join it. The Bracket Challenge. Please uh, be part of it. 
Uh, we have a lot of other podcasts. I just listened to a great, two great bracket breakdowns yesterday. Very, very different. You want a more numerical, statistical based one, computer based one? Uh, you listen to the Sportsline DFS podcast, Heath Cummings, Mike McClure. They did a bracket breakdown. If you want, uh, college basketball analysts who have also are, you know, in tune with the computers and the Ken Palms and all that, uh, you can listen to Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander on the Co- Ion College Basketball podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts uh, on iTunes right now, sports podcast. Ion College Basketball, it is an awesome show. They've got you at least three times a week. And, uh, yeah, so if you're hooked on March Madness, check out that podcast. CBS Sports HQ, you're going to want to be watching CBS Sports HQ during the tournament. This will be the best place to get uh, all the breaking news, all the highlights, all the reaction. CBSSportsHQ.com. Or you can watch. I watch on my Roku all the time. You can watch on your connected devices on the CBS Sports app. And um, if you want to sign up for a league, please do so at cbsports.com slash FBT. cbsports.com slash FBT. To sign up for our commissioner product, it is the best. And, of course, read Aaron Judge, uh, the Chris's article on Aaron Judge. Pretty good comparison to Ryan Howard and what that might mean for him this year and going forward. Uh, and we'll talk about Thank Aaron you, Judge in a bit. Yeah, well, I only promote Chris articles, as we know. Yep. So there we go. Here's your tweet of the day. It's from Chris Ripley. Uh, funny hearing Scott White say, where are your manners when referring to drinking the cereal milk? You're eating cereal. Who are we trying to impress here? If we can't tip that bowl back in our own home without getting judged, then something's wrong. Yeah, it's a fair point. And <laughs> I, uh, I, I think probably if you're sitting around in sweatpants, anything goes. But if I'm in the company of anyone else and I do happen to be eating cereal, there's no way I go for that. Can we just contrast that with another Scott White tweet from just like two hours later? Oh, yeah. That, my, my, wife, my point was to contrast it. My wife has on many occasions admonished me for licking the bottom of a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. I oh, think my gosh. That's do not awful. Ever lecture us on manners again in the history of... Of the podcast. Well, I, that's the thing. Like, I was worried from some of my Twitter responses that people um, saw me as some kind of like Mr. Mannerly. No, you're just a hypocrite. <laughs> well, no, that's what I was pointing out. Like, you know what? I have my own. I have my own slovenly habits. Is cereal soup? No. Yes. Cereal. Yes. Soup. No. Absolutely. No. What? That's the stupidest thing. It I've is ever the heard. stupidest thing, Team Creeth. Well, what side of that are you officially on, uh, Chris? Because it's stupid from Heath. Yes. What? Or is what do you think? Is it soup? Is milk broth? No. I mean, cow broth. Ki- I mean, <laughs> kind of. There is such a kinda. thing. As there's beef no. Broth, th- there's know? no kinda here. Is it a kinda? soup? Is it soup? Yes or no? <laughs> this is dumb. Uh, uh, milk is gross. Stop drinking milk. I right. mean, that's the, that's ultimately what a bo- like. If I like loved the taste of lukewarm milk. With cereal fragments in it, then maybe sugar. Like then maybe the, I would throw. Really, there's maybe a big I difference. Would throw between, manners to the side and a big difference tip it between back. That ice cream. What's but the difference? Well, between ice cream? cream is. That's the thing. Ice cream is the most delicious Look, thing in the world. So of course, chowder. I'm gonna lap clam up every molecule of it. It's just hot milk with bugs. In it. Oh my god! One All right, done. Goodness. Done. We're done. We're done. Let's, well, let's move one on. One of the first things Scott ever told me about South Florida is that the ice cream is expensive down here. <laughs> so, like, that's one of my first memories of a conversation with yeah. Scott. It's, well, uh, you, you see what my ice cream budget. So we all agree cereal is soup. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we're done. We're done. Let's, let's talk about rounds one and two and, uh, the best ways to draft in rounds one and two. So you want to get your draft off to a good start. Let's do it. 
So I take a look at the top 24 on cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. And you can see the rankings in both points and, and roto. Uh, when we say head to head, we are referring to points leagues, not head to head categories leagues. If you're interested in categories leagues, the roto rankings are for you. Uh, but in points leagues, let's start with that. And one through six. So I broke it down like basically in, in groups of six for the most part. Uh, so one through six overall. I don't know how much we want to get into it. We haven't really talked about it much lately, but you know the top six in points leagues for Heath and for Scott are the same six players in a different order. And Heath does not have Mike Trout number one. He has Trout number two. He has Altuve one, Trout two. Scott has Trout one, Altuve two. Uh, I don't know. It's just positional scarcity, right, Heath? Yeah, it's positional scarcity. Okay. Which doesn't exist. Okay, so anyway, without uh, spending the whole show on that, um, it's it's some some form of Trout, Altuve, Harper, Arenado, Betts, and Blackman. Uh, I guess the big difference. Well, first of all, you both you both have Bryce Harper number four overall, and it's interesting. I certainly don't disagree. I'm not trying to say I disagree with anything because I you know everybody could be right or wrong or whatever with your top twelve, top six. But, Scott, I'll just throw you on the spot because you like to say you don't want to mess up your first few picks. Yeah. Bryce Harper's got a lot of risk at number four overall. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. And and this is something I've had a hard time reconciling because I think among the first-round hitters, he is the riskiest. He's the most likely to ruin your season. Um, but I, he was also the second-best hitter on a per-game basis last year after Trout. Now, part of the reason I haven't had to face this, really, is because I'm so high on Arenado that, like, I, I when I'm drafting in that part of the draft, Arenado's always there. And if he's not there, like, the only times I've had to take Harper were something like eighth overall, where obviously you take Harper. So it's never been a situation where I have the fourth pick. And oh crap, do I really take Harper? That that hasn't actually happened yet. Because but, you have Arenado third, whereas Heath has Arenado fifth behind Harper. Yeah, and right. you know, a lot of people aren't as high on Arenado as I am apart from Heath. So um you know what, but the thing is, like you consider who you could rank ahead of Harper. It's like Charlie Blackman, who, you know, is thirty one and never had the year he had last year before that. You know, he was more like a late first rounder at this time last year. It's Mookie Betts who didn't even perform like a first rounder last year. But, you know, we, we think obviously that it was about the worst case scenario for him given some of the batted ball data, but he didn't perform like a first rounder last year. Right. And, but his floor, we saw it last year mm-hmm. and it is considerably higher than Bryce Harper's. But Bryce Harper's floor is Bryce Harper's has only performed like a first rounder once. Well, last year he performed, last year on a per game basis, he was a first rounder. He was the second best hitter in fantasy. Uh, so I, I would disagree that he's only performed like a first rounder once. And the season, the bad 2016 sandwiched in between, obvious health issues there was playing through back and neck stuff that, uh, he conclusively confirmed last year with his performance. How few games would Bryce Harper have to play before he didn't perform like a first rounder? Well, okay, okay. Let me just – we can go around and around on that. Technically, Bryce Harper has only had one season in which he's performed like a first-rounder on a full-season basis. 
but he has had two seasons where he's been the best or second best hitter in baseball on a per game basis. So you, you can, you know. I mean, the thing is, Heath has him fourth, so I don't know what he's doing here, just playing devil's advocate. I thought we were discussing the order of the first six picks. Well, why do you, why do you have Harper fourth? I have Mookie, I was talking about Mookie Betts versus Harper in the floor. Okay. But you have Betts ahead. You have Betts third, and Scott has Aaron. Oh, he has Betts ahead. Okay. Yes. Yes. So he just has, okay. Okay. So, it, so for Scott, it's Trout, Altuve, Arenado, Harper. For Heath, it's Altuve, Trout, Betts, Harper. Then Arenado, then Blackman. Scott has Blackman fifth and Betts sixth. Uh, I mean, they're, uh, they're an obvious top six. The most important takeaway is that no pitcher in the top six in either points or roto for you guys. And Bryce Harper fourth overall. And I, I think we can just let people decide three through six who you want to take. And we're not going to say that you're making the wrong choice. I think you. I think you have to. I think you really should take Trout and Altuve one and two, and that's yes. what everybody's doing. And then after that, like there are a lot of great players three through six. Three through six. You want to go Arenado, Harper, Blackman, Betts, whatever. I think we should point out that Betts is is safer in points. Mm-hmm. His plate discipline is outstanding. He scores a ton of runs. He might lead baseball in plate appearances. He might be my. He might be my third overall pick, maybe fourth overall pick in points. I. I think I'd take him over Harper, but he has less upside. So Yeah. I mean, to fine. your point, outside of maybe Trey Turner, third overall in a Roto League, I can't make a passionate plea for any one of those players over any of the others. My preference is Arenado because he feels the safest, but there are pros and cons for each of them. Yep. And maybe considering if you're in a five outfielder league versus three outfielder might, might uh, also come into play. All right, so uh, let's go to 7 through 12. You guys basically have the same ranking for Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Scott has him eighth overall. Heath has him seventh overall. But really the big difference here, and I'll go to Heath, is the pitchers. Because Heath has all four of the super aces in his seven through 12 rankings. In both points and Roto. Scott only has one. Scott only has uh, Clayton Kershaw in his top 12. And then 13, 14, and 18 are pitchers for Scott. But um, Heath, why don't you speak about that? Because after, after your top six... Altuve, Trout, Betts, Harper, Arenado, Blackman. It's Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale are 7 through 10. Yeah, there's no such thing as a safe pitcher, but this four, this Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale, has, in my opinion, a much higher combination of floor and ceiling than any other pitcher, and especially in points. If I can get one or two of those guys, I at the back of the first, I feel like it's almost a requirement. Two of them, huh? I'll take in a points league, points only. I'll take I'll take two of them. Would anybody else do that? I've thought about it. I haven't found myself in a position to do it yet. Uh, I would lean against it because it seems like it seems like it's taking on a little too much risk, and there is like there is a huge drop off between those four pitchers and, and the rest. But there is also a very big drop off between the top twenty five hitters or so. And the rest of the hitters, and I think after that drop off at hitter, uh, the pitchers stand out more. So you know, once we get past the first two and a half rounds worth of hitters, then that's a time where you want to go pitcher heavy for two or three rounds. So uh, it, it it's kind of unnecessary, I feel like, to double up on those big four because of that. But I mean, I I get the appeal of it. It is like those four are probably outside of Trout and Altuve, the biggest singular advantage you can get at any position. So I, I, 
I get it. I just think, you know, you want advantages at pitter too. So why, Scott, do you not have those pitchers other than Kershaw in your top 12? Why are you taking Stanton and Bryant and Turner and Goldschmidt and Correa over them? Well, it's worth mentioning that our rankings tend to be tailored for 12-team leagues. If you're doing a 15-team draft, maybe I do prioritize some of those pitchers over it ahead of some of the hitters I have in that same range. But, you know, thinking in terms of a 12-team draft, I don't really care which of Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale I get. There's not a lot of differentiation between them to me. Confidence level's about the same. Doesn't matter. And I, you know, I, if you're pick, if you're picking towards the end of a 12 team draft, uh, you, you're going to take one of, you can take one of those guys with your second pick. Like there's no reason to reach for your first pick for them, except for Kershaw, obviously, who you have to take a little earlier. Uh, so I would rather be able to choose among the hitters than decide if I got to have Kluber over Scherzer. So that's why I ranked them lower. Now, again, in a 15-team league, you can't count on getting them with your second pick. You probably have to take them with your first, so it's different. But okay, I rank it for a 12-team league. I like that, and I I think that you're probably right. In most cases, you can get those guys in the second round. I do think you you if you can know the tendencies of the people you're drafting with, it's possible that if you have the eighth pick, that you might not be able to get a, a, a one of those big four in the oh, second round. Oh, I think round. yeah. Like, if you have the seventh, you almost certainly aren't. If you have the eighth, you might. If you have the ninth, like, it, it gets closer and closer each time. If I was at 11 and I only wanted one of them, I think that would make perfect sense if there were a couple left. But at, at nine or ten, I, I don't think you're guaranteed at all. Yeah, but then, okay, so let's say I have the, let's say I have the seventh pick. And I'm thinking to myself, in a head-to-head points league, if I don't take a starting pitcher here at seven, I'm not getting a starting pitcher in the first two rounds. I I personally would be fine with that and I don't think I would take a starting pitcher at 7. Uh so I you know it's it's personal preference. Like I'm fine taking Cindergard or or DeGrom or or Strasburg or Bumgarner or whatever in round 3 and going with two hitters with my first two picks. But if well, you so- guys if you guys are sitting there at pick 7 and thinking all of the top 4 pitchers are going to be gone in round 2, do you automatically say all right, I'm taking Kershaw here or seven's an interesting spot because I feel like there is a clear top six that we're more or less in consensus with, right? With the hitters, um, yeah, Altuve, yeah. Trout, uh, Betts, Arenado, Blackman, Harper, and then I guess it would be seven in a roto league because we'd include Trey Turner, right? And then after that, that's where you get into some question who's the next guy. I think for me it's Stanton, but I'm pretty sure for Heath it isn't. No, definitely not Stanton. Heath's got Stanton like 17th or 18th. So I think there's a good argument to be made for Kershaw there. Um, yeah. I do too. I, I, I don't think I would do it. I'm just, I'm not used to taking starting pitchers there, but the, I think it's, I think it's stuff, a great argument. The back stuff for Kershaw is what scares me because three of the last four years he's missed a big chunk of time with the same basic and, injury. So, and I wonder, shouldn't he? He's the consensus number one pitcher for yep. both of you. Yeah. In both formats. Yep. He's less valuable in points, though, right? Oh, I don't. Like know. the injury concern is less of a concern in Rota. Um, I yeah, I could yeah, because you're you're losing weeks with him in head to head. Sure. In Roto. 
you're getting it no matter when it comes. I mean, if you're if you're counting on that, and, and to a certain extent, we are baking in injury risk there. It's why it's why it's he's no longer in a tier of his own. I mean, in terms of ratios, he's still in a different category from those other three. Uh, but you're expecting him to throw 180 to 190 innings instead of. 200 to 215. So, Chris, how, how about you? What are you doing at pick seven or eight? Are you making sure that you get a starting pitcher? In head-to-head points, I would like to get a starting pitcher in that range. Um, yeah, yeah, I've I've taken two starting pitchers with my first two picks before. It's just um, you really do want to stand out. I've tried to keep with my starting pitcher strategy and head-to-head points, and occasionally I'll still do it, but it's really hard. You lose a lot of ground if you go hitter heavy in, in head-to-head points. The only the only argument for it is the hitter's just a little safer. Well, I think that you could go hitter, hitter, pitcher, pitcher, and and be in pretty good shape. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to – I don't want to make it out. That, like, if you don't get one of these four, you're doomed to a bad pitching staff. Cause I don't think that's true at all. Like, there's still a hearty second tier there of, like, the DeGroms and Severinos and Cinderguards and Carrascos. Like, you can get two of those guys. You probably have to invest your third and fourth round pick to do it, but you can get two of them. And, and I, I think there are still potential aces beyond that. Um, but I do think. I do think if you don't get one of the big four and if you don't invest your second and third round picks in pitchers, if either one of those scenarios, let's say you only get one of that second tier, then you need to make up for quantity, a lack of quality with quantity. You need to, you need to do, particularly in a points league, you need to do the sort of thing I've done where like nine of my first 13 picks are starting pitchers. Maybe it doesn't have to be that extreme, but you need to, Draft the Paxtons and Keikels and and Ariettas and and just hope that you you know un, for enough of them that all the risk factors don't end up playing out and you end up with as good of a pitching staff as a guy who went Granky third round Severino fourth. Yeah, I always play head to head points leagues against the same people like you guys and podcast listeners. So I have a general idea of when the pitchers are going to come off the board, and I do feel confident that in the third, fourth, and even fifth round, I'll be able to get solid pitchers. Like, I still think Chris Archer and Robbie Ray are going to be there in the fifth round. Um, it's not a certainty, but what you as a listener need to do is understand who you're drafting with, because a lot of times I see in head-to-head points leagues uh, that some people just go crazy on starting pitcher. or and, and if there are any auto picks, they're going to be starting pitchers. So adjust accordingly. Uh, if, if you don't think, you know, adjust accordingly. I, I don't think I have to go any farther into that. All right, so we'll get to Roto in a bit. I think we've mostly, we've mostly gotten the first round. Top six players are hitters. You can start thinking about pitcher beginning at seven. Scott doesn't have the pitchers ranked as high as Heath because he thinks he'll just take one of them in the second round. But, you know, it's fairly interchangeable what you want to do with your first pick and your second pick if you're drafting late in the first round. So with that said, uh, let's talk about pick seven, pick picks, uh, 12 through, or 13 through 24, I guess. Um, and I will also point out that the two biggest differences for Scott and Heath are Chris Bryant and Giancarlo Stanton, where Scott is much big, much higher on both of them. Stanton seventh, Bryant ninth for Scott. Stanton 17th, Bryant 18th for Heath. Do you guys want to talk about that or should we move to round two? 
I was just trying to look to see like what is the common denominator there, why why I would necessarily be lower on both those guys in points than Scott. I I think what it is, and it goes back to the uh, question that I I don't know if Chris has answered for us yet, but the stickiness of massive improvements in K rate. Okay. Um, because we've got an extensive history with Stanton, and uh, okay, but the guy you have directly in front of them is one of the three worst strikeout hitters in baseball. Right. I wasn't saying that I thought they were going to strike out more than him. I think I'm trying to establish mm-hmm. the numbers-based reason why we have them ranked differently, and I think it's probably because Scott is expecting that Chris Bryant's going to be a 19% strikeout rate guy next year, and I am not as sure about and, that. And Stan made a big improvement in strikeout rate, right, too. Right, um, Stan but, went from 30 to 24. But I don't know that I don't know that that's a requirement for them to live up to where I rank them, because, I mean, Stanton, apart from last year, has been a first-round player since he debuted. Chris Bryant was, we were, like, drafting him fifth overall last year before we even knew he was going to make those improvements in strikeout rate. So I don't know that that's... Stanton has been a first-round player since... Since... So... Uh, apart from last year, when he had a bad year statistically and missed half the season with injury. Like, yeah, every other year we target him in the first round. He's pretty similar to Harper. You know, when he plays, Stanton pretty much puts up first-round numbers. Right. And there's, he's in the best situation he's ever been in. But there's he gets a, I think there's a sense that Giancarlo Stanton took, like, some massive leap forward as a hitter last season. I don't think that's actually true. I think he stayed healthy and played – like Giancarlo Stanton in this new offensive environment. But with the with the one exception, and this is a not a criticism of him, but he improved his strikeout rate by twenty percent in a time when league strikeout rate went up. Sure. But yeah, I'm I, talking but twenty fourteen he had a one sixty four OPS plus. Twenty fifteen he had a one fifty nine. Twenty sixteen he had a one twenty. Twenty seventeen he had one sixty five. Your your point is that he may have made some improvements as a hitter last year, but it's not like his first round status depends entirely on last year, because he was still a stud before that. All right. Well, it's an interesting uh, perspective. And he still has him going in a range where, like, some very good hitters are going, you know? Like, I mean, I think 17th for, for Stanton, 17th for Scott is Manny Machado. Uh, 16th for Scott is Anthony Rizzo. 19th is Joey Votto. 18th is a pitcher, Max Scherzer. But, I mean, it's totally conceivable that any of those hitters could put up first-round numbers. Uh, Stanton's coming off the best year. Votto's coming off a pretty damn good year, too. Is that is that my points league rankings? Yeah. I probably do need to move Scherzer up a little. 18th sounds too low. All right, then. So I, I think we'll save Roto for tomorrow um, is my guess. But it's it's not that much different except the biggest difference is the Steels guys are, are a lot higher for Heath. And Trey Turner is third. Uh, I think second for Heath, third for, for Scott. Um, I don't know how, how much different your strategy is going to be. We can talk about that. But uh, the fr- – the, okay – the two Indians middle infielders are, you know, they're eligible at middle infield. Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, they're late second round picks for both of these guys. JD Martinez is a late second round pick. Do you guys feel like you're okay with your JD Martinez ranking at, uh, 21 for Scott and 24 for Heath? Cause I mean, I mean, you could say he's like a 300 hitter going to the best ballpark, gonna DH. Hopefully well, he's, he's not going to the best ballpark. Going to the best ballpark. Oh, Arizona was better? Yeah, he played for the end of last season. He played in a better, better ballpark. But but better it, than Comerica, for sure. Like, like it, Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I don't up. think it's a bad park for him. 
Uh, all right, fine. But but he's in a great situation and he hits for a yeah. good average. Like, like, do you think that he could be higher, JD Martinez? Could he? If you saw him go like 13th overall, would you be like that ah, too early on JD Martinez? My sensibilities would say that's too early, but at the same time, he could certainly be the 13th best player in fantasy this year. He he was better than that last year, at least on a per game basis. So, um, it's like it's it's one of those things where is anything like if you take any player at a point when you know like there's no way he's getting back to you with your next pick. And that's probably true for the person picking 13th overall. Sure. If they're just that high on JD Martinez, they're not going to be able to pick him you know 35th overall or whatever it ends up being. So Sixth, yeah. The question with JD Martinez is how much do unrelated previous injuries predict future injuries? And it's it's a lot like where we were with Giancarlo Stanton last I don't, year. I don't know that that's the biggest question with I think Martinez. It, I mean, Cause I, he, he definitely took a statistical step forward last year. He like, did, but... It wasn't... He, but he's he was also never that always been before. very good. He's always been and very good. And if he good. returns to what he was in the past but plays 155 games, he's probably still a pretty good value at 24 overall or whatever wherever yeah. you guys have him. Right. I mean... Yeah, he he was like a more injury prone George Springer, I guess, before last year. And like he's going to hit 300 probably. He's one of the best average hitters, especially among the power hitters. He's probably going to hit 35 to 40 home runs if he stays healthy. He's going to drive in a ton of runs. So the question is, can we assume he did stays the healthy? broken foot last season and the like? He had a hamstring injury. Like all these different injuries, it's a lot like Stanton last year where. Mm. It wasn't one recurring injury over and over and over, and you could say, well, it's a chronic knee thing that he just can't get over. How much do those make him more likely to get injured? I think they make him more likely than most hitters. Yeah. But like some, it's something like 40% of starting, cal- starting hitters go on the DL at some point during the season, and it's just, is it one DL stint or is it 40 games? And I made the case, too. He's going to be a primary DH now. So will that help right. relieve the the injury concern? Because to to be clear, he's only once played even more than 125 games in a season, which is not a very ambitious total. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely something you have to factor in. I understand what Chris is saying, where it's not like a a singular chronic thing with like with Kershaw, where you kind of just assume it, it's going to happen again, but. It's it's hard to assume somebody's going to stay healthy until you see them stay healthy. I will also say he doesn't benefit as much from Fenway as your typical right-handed hitter. All right, uh, so that's pretty good discussion there. And then, do you have any strong preference for the four, the top four first basemen? Everybody has specifically in points leagues, and probably in Roto too. Everybody has Goldschmidt as their number one first baseman. I do. I keep. Coming close to dropping him in points below Votto. Um, I haven't been able to do it yet. We're getting to the point where we probably don't have enough drafts left where it won't really even matter that much. But I, those two, I think, is basically a coin flip. Okay. I, with the four first basemen, the only things I feel like I can say definitively are Goldschmidt's probably he's, – he's still number one. It's a much closer – it's a narrow gap than it used to be, but he's still number one. Rizzo is fourth in a categories league in a non-OBP league. 
but apart from that, like I don't have strong opinions. Votto versus Freeman versus Rizzo in an in an OBP league or a points league, or even Freeman versus Votto, Freeman versus Votto in a roto league. Personally, I don't like I. Votto, at his best, is the best, but he's also like 34, and you know, last year was only the second time he hit 30 home runs. And Heath is the highest on Aaron Judge. You've got him as a second rounder. Looks like Scott and Chris probably are going to take Judge in the third round. I really like Judge at the two-three turn. I think that's a great place to draft him if I can. That's exactly where Scott has him. I'm sorry. Yeah, if I'm if I'm picking first or second, and Aaron Judge is there, I'm happy to take him. Uh, It's just that's not where he tends to go. Okay. Yeah, and he's he's. You know, Heath would take him before that. So if you're drafting with Heath, it's probably not going to happen. I weirdly, I don't know. I think I've gotten him once. I've I, drafted my, Aaron Judge a bunch. I <laughs> I end up in a uh, in a strange strange place in points leagues where I just don't get him. Hmm. Okay, well, I you know, late second round is a is a really good time for him. Heath does have Aaron Judge 16th, so he's willing to go a little bit earlier, but for whatever reason, has not been getting Aaron Judge. And, uh, alright, well, let's finish with some buy or sell. Tomorrow we'll talk about the top 24 in Roto and, and what might be different, uh, whether or not pitching is less valuable and how much less valuable it is. Trey Turner, Starling Marte, Starling Marte and D. Gordon are, I think, top 20 players for Heath. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, is that true? Yeah, 18th for Gordon, 20th for Starling Marte. Um, okay. Buy or sell. Also, you know what's, well, I'll talk about this tomorrow. But you know what's so strange about fantasy baseball and covering it and trying to get everybody ready? It's so much more difficult than football because the leagues are all so different. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so much more difficult. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't do any of the news and notes. All right. People, some people come at us with these custom settings, and it's like, what the crap? We're already catering to eight different formats. <laughs> I got a lot of news and notes, and we'll get to them tomorrow. Tomorrow's show is already already have the rundown completed because it was all supposed to be today. Buy or sell. <laughs> Uh, from MG, George Springer is a top five outfielder. Sell. Uh, yeah, obviously sell. I don't rank him as a top five outfielder. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I'm going to take this in a little more open direction. I'm going to say buy. Not, I don't have him ranked as a top five outfielder. I don't think that's the most likely outcome, but I'll buy the fact that George Springer could be a top five outfielder this year. Sure. Springer or Judge? Judge. I have, I think I have Springer ranked ahead in points. I may, I'll have to double check that. Yes, I don't. you you have Springer ranked ahead in points and just behind, mm-hmm. just ahead in points, just behind in Roto. Yeah. Uh, same with Cody Bellinger. I think it's like Springer, Judge, Bellinger in points, and then Judge, Bellinger, Springer in Roto. Yeah, like probably. That. I probably should have Bellinger behind Judge in points. It's like that. Those three were. I flipped them around a lot. You do have the course of draft prep season. You have Springer 23, Judge 24, Bellinger 25. Uh, next buyer sell is from Rockhead Fantasy Sports. Lewis Brinson plays 125 games in 2018. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I'll, I'll sell. It'll be close, but, uh, I'll factor, uh, yeah, I'll factor an injury in there. From Matthew, Reese Hoskins leads the NL in home runs. Well, sell, I mean. Sell, but I'm not sure who I would pick. Yeah, I'll buy that. It's a, you're just gonna say Reese Hoskins is. I'm not saying it is a fact, but he is giving me this. So you're playing by different rules. Like, (laughs) do we need to establish rules here? I'll say this. I'll sell it, but I'm not sure who I would buy it on. 
Who would? Like, yeah, I, like I don't pick, know who I would pick. I guess Arenado. I'll take Arenado as yeah. the home run leader. He's done it twice in the last three years. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. And no more Stanton. So, um, let's see. A buy or sell from M Capo. Michael Conforto will be a contributing outfielder in points leagues this year. At some point this year, that will be true. I'll buy it. Bye. Okay. I might pick Bellinger to lead the NL in home runs. How do you like that? Ooh. All right. Buy. I'll buy it. Sure. From Jason, Trey Turner will have more steals than Giancarlo Stanton will have home runs. Buy it. Buy, but both will be lower than last year. Lower than last? No. Well, no. Turner Turner was only like 45 last year, right? You mean his pace will be worse? His pace, yeah. Yeah. Because Turner's been on like a 70 steals pace. So. Yeah, I'll buy Turner more steals than Stan has home runs. Okay. Um, we got, let's see. Uh, oh, open bar fantasy baseball. Buy or sell. Unicycle bowl flip lady is better entertainment than Miller Park hot dog sausage mascot race. Nothing is better than Miller Park ever, so. <laughs> I'm that... guessing unicycle bowl flip lady is some lady on a unicycle flipping bowls. It's, show some, it's, it's red panda. Show some respect. All right. I I am not familiar with this act. I've seen it. I She's don't know that there's very a very famous person. in the NBA. Oh, okay. okay. She does like a lot of halftime shows. She's riding a unicycle while flipping bowls from her feet to her head. It's amazing. It's She's the, a yeah. legend. It is bowls? Terrific. Yes. Bowls. Okay, it sounded like you guys were saying bowls every time you said it. B-U-L-L-S. Oh, no. Bowls. Bowls. Yeah. That makes more sense. I was like, are these some kind of like baby bowls? I don't. Does, what kind of strength does this woman have? Okay, like, I get pretend there's ice cream on the bottom of it. It's a bowl. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm licking that bowl right now. <laughs> Andrew uh, says, Andrew Benintendi justifies his number 42 overall ADP. Buy or sell? Buy it. Sell. I'm writing a, an ADP overdrafted column tomorrow, and he is very much a part of it. He is on fire right now. He's made a change to his approach. He's going to have a monster year. Maybe a second-round pick next year. I don't know. Uh, Chris is showing me the bull lady video, so I missed the topic. Andrew Benatendi justifies number 42 overall ADP. I'll sell. Okay, I'm seeing it. She's balancing it on her foot. Oh, she flips it to her head. That's unbelievable. Red Panda is a legend. Uh, And she's keeping her balance on a unicycle, which is difficult enough. If she could do that while going down the Miller Park slide, then I would find it (laughs) impressive. Uh, From Spencer, Kevin Kiermeyer will outproduce AJ Pollock. That's a fun one. Oh, that is fun. Also, I mean, I'm obviously selling it, but I I'm drafting Kiermaier because I think that's a that's that's a likely possibility. Jake says Jose Ramirez will outproduce Jose Altuve this season. Sell, sell, sell. He will hit more doubles. That's the only thing I would predict. Mm. Andrew Taylor, buy or sell. Michael Kopech starts ten games for the Sox this season. Bye. Bye, bye. Danstardam. Andrew McCutcheon repeats his 2017 numbers. Buy or sell? Exactly. That'd be really difficult. So, <laughs> buy. You will have the exact same season. I think it'll be a little worse. I'll sell. I don't even know what his numbers are. I just know that they were annoying for me. 279 with 28 home runs and 11 steals. Yeah. Yeah, it's, he's actually not moving to a worse park, and it's probably a better lineup. I think Andrew McCutcheon's going to have a really nice year. Okay. Uh, let's see. We got, uh, oh, Tyrell Lee, last one. Nacho Doritos are the most overrated chip on the market today. You know what's great? Poppin' Jalapeno Doritos. Like, just when you think you've graduated from eating Doritos, they come out with a flavor that's everything you wanted a Dorito to be. Doritos that's, are good. Sounds terrible. 
Doritos are fine. This is probably true though. Like what? There was there oh, was nice. a flavor when I was in college called salsa. It came in a black bag and it was it was amazing and they discontinued it and I've like searched for it on like eBay and stuff. And poppin' jalapeno is the closest they've come to that. Plain Fritos are the most overrated. <laughs> oh, get out of town. They're oh, so hey, delicious. here's a Dorito that has no flavor. Okay, it's not a Dorito. It's a corn chip. It's a corn chip. And it's delicious. Uh, it's three <laughs> ingredients in Fritos, and they're, they work together in harmony. To make your breath smell terrible. Well. That's true. I mean. I've never, I've never. It's awful. Uh, it's really bad, but you don't, you don't really like Fritos, so. Well, no, I mean, look. What uh, about uh, uh, chili with Fritos on it? How yeah, does that like make what, your breath smell? A, a hobo pie, I think is what it's called. Yes. When you just put like a bunch of ground beef on Fritos, that's great. Yeah, but the Fritos themselves beef. are not like, the good the, part. There's about a it. difference between a tortilla chip and they're, a Frito, they're right? They're a conduit. I have no desire. Things inside of your mouth. I have no desire to eat a Frito. Like none, you know. Like there's so many better chips. I would never just be like, oh, yeah, give me a Frito. Last so thing. So you're buying it. Yeah, I buy it. The simplicity of the Frito is something that should be embraced. The question all. wasn't about Fritos, so you weren't buying I it. Don't, no, I'm buying Chris's he buy, He bought my statement. Here's the last thing I want to leave everybody with. The best thing that was ever discontinued were the steak soft tacos with lime sauce from Taco Bell. The uh, lime sauce have been discontinued. Lime le- sauce, unbelievable. Odd we get lectured by Craig from Chicago about our dietary habits on Twitter today. <laughs> have fun with that. Bye. For Scott, for Heath, for Chris, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.